Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. Divorce Dialogues brings expert guests to the airways to talk through your divorce questions and fill in the gray areas about separating. From thinking about divorce, to how to behave during divorce, to what to do after, this is Divorce Dialogues. Welcome to Divorce Dialogues. I'm Katherine Miller. I'm the founder at the Miller Law Group and director at the Center for Understanding and Conflict, and I am on a mission to change how people divorce and help them divorce with dignity. And I'm really excited that my guest today is Carrie Schultz. Carrie is not only my friend, but she's the principal and owner of the law firm of Mr. Men's Rights, Divorce and Family Law of New Jersey by Schultz and Associates, and she's certified by the Supreme Court of New Jersey as a matrimonial law attorney. Carrie has been a frequent lecturer, moderator, and panelist in matrimonial law-related seminars for the New Jersey Institute for Continuing Legal Education and the New Jersey Association of Justice. Welcome, Carrie Schultz. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Catherine. Happy to be here. So your law firm is really centered around the idea of men's rights and representing men in divorce and family law issues. And I'm wondering... Gary, what led you to focus your law firm in that way? That's a wonderful question. I know we don't have all the time in the world. There is a short, brief story on the homepage of my website, but the short of the long of it is that I happen to be a child of divorce, not a great one at that. Fast forward, when I was in my 30s, I ended up finding the divorce papers. And it was a really unique perspective because not only was I reading these divorce papers as the subject child of the litigation, but now also as a experienced matrimonial attorney. So to say that I I was reading it through the lens of two angles was an understatement. And what I came out of that whole experience was there had to be a better way. What happened in that divorce and the fallout and the impact on the children You know, I just kept saying to myself, where were the lawyers? You know, who was guiding the parents? Who was telling them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear for the long-term success of what this new family was going to look like or be and and protect the, the child or the children in the process? That's when I had the revelation that I want to help one segment of the community, the the community that feels, you know, disempowered or, you know, kind of gets blindsided a lot. And um, that's how it that's how it really all came to be for me. So that's really interesting. It came from your experience of being both researching your own parents' divorce and realizing what it felt like to be that child and what it looked like from a lawyer's perspective. Is that right? Exactly. 100%. Yeah. That's really interesting because actually I founded my law from thinking there had to be a better way to. <laughs> right. And, you well, know, I guess the that's way, why we're friends. <laughs> maybe. So what is it that is unique about men's divorcing? What are some of the common mistakes that, that men in particular make? And of course, you know, as we're talking about this, of course, anybody could make these mistakes. And I understand that it's not that women can't do that. But, you know, in particular, what are some mistakes that men are likely or more likely to make. Sure. And and I think you're right. You know, there's there's certain themes that we see carry through most of our cases. But what I tend to notice most prominently in men is that they come in, they almost start the conversation, at least with me, 
feeling a bit, um, like I said before, disempowered. Like they already know, you know, they, they sometimes walk in and say to me, well, we're going to be getting divorced, so I guess I'm losing my children. And, you know, I say, wait, whoa, whoa, you know, how'd you get from zero to a thousand? There's so much in between all that. Let me, you know, clarify, let me educate, let me highlight for you why those two things aren't necessarily connected. So we start there. And, you know, I think that once I can have a conversation and, and educate, I see their spirits lift. I see their whole body language change. And, and I guess the glimmer of hope starts to come back into their lives. I, they've just been so disenchanted for, you know, so long. And again, we're, we're talking, you know, generally, this doesn't obviously apply to everybody. So that's one of the things, you know, they, they definitely feel disrespected in their relationship or in their marriage. And, you know, for the most part, they, they've had this life plan. They, they got married, they had kids, or maybe they're not married and they just, you know, they had a child or children with somebody and they had this whole life, you know, mapped out and then something happens and it turns everything upside down and now they need a new plan. But getting a new plan isn't like, you know, going to get a snack at the deli. Can't just wake up one day and say, okay, new plan. Here we go. So, you know, that's where we step in and say, okay, let's take this step by step and methodically and help you get a new plan with the new situation that is now presented in front of you. I mean, the new plan is one where they're not just giving up the things that are most important to them, like their kids. Is, is that right? what you mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. And And really getting clear with them on what their goals are, what their options are, making sure that they're thinking about it clearly and succinctly and fairly. Recently, we've, we've been saying this phrase, which has really helped a lot of our clients where, you know, I understand that, you know, it's emotional. All of this is emotional. We as attorneys need to put logic, insert logic where they have emotion so that we can help them pull up from the situation, the ground level and look at it from a broader viewpoint. So why do you think that men just give up on the children sometimes? Obviously not always, but why do they, you think they, men say that to you, you know, so we're getting divorced, so I guess I'm losing my kids. I think that for so long, there has been a bias within the community, within the legal community, maybe within the judicial system. Some people are still thinking that that is the way it just is. Oh, she's the mom. So I guess I'm just kind of dead in the water with the whole thing. And, you know, yes, tides are changing. And yes, the court system has evolved. And, and you know, it's not 100%, you know, where it needs to be, but that's a discussion for another day. But I think explaining to them, look, it's we're not back in 1950 something anymore. This is not an automatic, she gets the kids, she's the primary person, you have to pay her child support. That's, it, it's not like it was way back when. And so having them understand that, and again, back to the hope, you know, look, there's some things we can do here. We should be able to do here. You're a good father. You love your children. You've been actively involved in their lives since their birth. Tell me why you shouldn't have a relationship as strong, if not stronger than the mother of the child. You know, I, I kind of take it from a different angle. Tell me why not. Don't tell me why, you know, you shouldn't. So, yeah, we, we try to have those conversations, and that's exactly what I say to the other attorney and their client, especially if there's a mother out there that says, you know, is, is angry, is hurt, you know, again, back to the emotion, 
And once you, unfortunately, using the children as the bait or the leverage, I call the attorney and say, hey, tell me why he shouldn't have a 50-50 time sharing. Tell me why he shouldn't be primary parent. Like, tell me what, you know, I want to know what's going on here because just because, you know, sex doesn't mean anything, male, female, purple unicorn, you know, it doesn't matter. Let's, let's talk about this because back, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the children. Yeah. And of course, that's what the law says in New York. And I think sure. I'm sure it's the same in New Jersey. And, 100%. and so I'm really interested, Carrie, because I think that sometimes women think that men, their husbands are super good negotiators. And, you know, I get my female clients and we represent men and women, but women sometimes come in and say, you know, my husband's a professional negotiator. He negotiates all day, every day. This is what he does at work. And so therefore, you know, I, the wife, I'm afraid to go up against him, you know, in, in this divorce, because I um, feel like he's just going to just bulldoze over me. And really what you're just saying to me right now is that the men come, these sometimes men come into your office and, and they feel not only that they're going to be bulldozed, but they've already been bulldozed just by the situation. And so, exactly. so I'm wondering what the sort of what the disconnect is between the sort of both parties feeling like they're going to be bulldozed by the other one. What do you think of that the best, great. for men anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I, you know, I certainly could speculate all day long, you know, until next Christmas, but you know, I, I think, I think what it all boils down to, and I'm seeing this more and more is the communication between the parties. I mean, look, if it was effective or good to begin with, they probably wouldn't be in our offices. Right. And I think that when they're in that dynamic with each other, they're both putting, they're both posturing, I guess is what we like to say in in the legal community, right? They're both putting up fronts for one another, but they're not actually talking about what's underneath that, what's behind it. Some humility, some humbleness, if both parties could just come to a table. And I know, Catherine, you do mediation and collaboration, collaborative law. You could just come to the table and get raw and get real with one another some of these perceived fears go away and then you can get to the heart of the matter and do what's best for, for everybody from a, you know, cohesive nature, you know, in a cohesive manner. So I think, I think the communication is pretty critical to the starting point of, of these fears that go on in both parties' minds. I think it's really interesting because in my experience, and tell me if, if you think that this is wrong, but that there are some pretty common mistakes that men make when they come to negotiating a divorce. And these are sort of not necessarily externally related, but maybe having something to do with the way that man looks at the world. And one thing that I've come to realize is that men sometimes feel that it's their job throughout the marriage and therefore then throughout the divorce to solve all the problems. They come in with a good intentions, really good intentions. You know what? I'm going to think this through. I'm going to really worry about this. And I'm going to come up with a really good solution that should work for both of us and for the kids. And then they go about trying to convince their wives that that's a good idea. And that doesn't usually work because for a number of reasons, and not the least of which is that the wives are tired of being told what the answer to the problem is. What do you, is that your experience or do you have one that's different? Yeah, that that no, that is for the most part my experience. I also think there's some ego to that as well. Yes, I I agree. I think well-intended. I I always say, you know, well-intended bad execution. 
right? right. Um, and exactly. sometimes you just, yeah, you just need a filter, a buffer to, to, to present that plan or that thought process in a better way so that it can actually be heard by the other person. You know, I, I always tell my clients, I'm like, you know, even if you walked in to a room and said something that benefited them, they may not even listen to you just because you're the one speaking it. So, you know, sometimes things land differently depending on who's, who's presenting the material. And, and that could be part of what's going on as well. And, and yes, we have the egos. I mean, look, let's be honest, right? I mean, men usually have more egos than women. But women certainly have egos themselves. We all have egos. The, the question is whether you can translate that into getting your message across clearly and, and effectively without exacerbating the entire situation on top of it. That's where things start to take a sideways turn. Yeah, I think there's a lot to it, about the timing there as well. Yeah, exactly. The timing is critical. Timing is always everything, right? So, yeah, the timing and how you're saying it and your tone of voice and uh, where you're doing it, when you're doing it, who's presenting it, what the substance of the material that you're trying to convey is all about. How's the other person going to think about that or land, you know, not what you say, but what are they going to hear? That's, that's an important consideration before you even say it. (laughs) Cause then maybe just don't say it and let somebody else say it for you. You know, cause if you're just, it, and men are very, you know, result oriented, stereotypically. So if you want the result, then let's talk about the best way to get there, not just rushing into a conversation, you know, throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping it sticks. Let's, you know, if you want the result, you got to have a plan. So I think that's probably that's really good advice. I want yeah. to remind our listeners that I'm Catherine Miller and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. We're here on WVX 1460 AM alternate Wednesdays from 5 to 530. And we're also available as a podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as on the podcast website, divorcedialogues.com. And I'm talking today with Carrie Schultz, an attorney from New Jersey, about men's rights and men and divorce. And right now we're talking about mistakes that men sometimes make. And Carrie, so you're saying that the execution is everything and that people come from a good place, but sometimes they feel that no good deed goes unpunished because the way it's delivered lands poorly on the recipient. And when people are getting divorced, that's pretty easy to have happen. And, you know, another thing that I think that happens with men, in my experience, and I'm curious if your experience is similar, is that they'll often, as part of this solving the problem thing, start with a compromise. And I'm not saying that if that's not a good thing to do and, and trying to cut to the chase and that sometimes works in business well, but sometimes when you're dealing with conflictual and highly emotional negotiation, starting with a compromise just feels like you're starting, you know, that then the other person just says, oh, thank you for that offer. Here's my position. Let's just split the difference. And you're like, wait a second. I just went as far as I could go. And that just feels really crappy on both parts. And that particularly happens if there's a feeling of guilt involved, if there's been an affair or another kind of misdeed on the part of the man in this case, then it feels just like, wait a second, now I'm just getting punished here. What do you think about that? Yeah, I'm actually so glad you mentioned that because to take it even a step further, I mean, that's all true, but to take it even a step further, what happens is 
you throw something out, you start talking to, and, and look, I agree with you, Catherine, starting an open dialogue is not a bad thing nine times out of 10, but you got to, again, proceed with caution because what happens is you guys start talking and one person, you know, and you start to say, okay, well, I think we've tentatively come to an, an understanding in concept, right? And then they, you know, everyone goes and lawyers up and the lawyer may say to you, oh, wait a minute. That's a good start, but you could get more, you could get less, you could have this, you could not have that, and start opening your eyes. Now you got to do a little like backtracking and saving face because what I find happens is the parties sit down, have a conversation, all well and good, but now you say, oh gosh, I wish I had known that before I spoke to my, you know, my spouse or the mother of my child because now you're going to go and say, well, but I want this now too. And then here we are back with the emotional aspect of it. You know, you're a liar. You lied to me. How come you, you have no integrity? That's not what you told me before. I thought we had an understanding. I can't even express to you, Catherine, how many times my men, I call them my men, my men get in so much inadvertent trouble, so to speak, because they've, again, well-intended but it just completely went sideways after they realized, oh, wait a minute, I may have compromised too much. Oh, wait a minute, I forgot to mention this thing and that thing. So, you know, now then when the lawyers get involved and we, we present it, you know, appropriately, fairly, nicely, whatever you want to call it, the other party is like, well, you know, they just, defenses go up right away, walls right away, because it's not based on what the conversation was you know, before when they both sat down. What should people do? Yeah, if I, I, this is my one thing I could scream from the rooftops, I totally would, is to say, don't talk yet. Get to understand what your options are. Get an education first. You know, talk to counsel, lay it all out. Then strategically get a plan in place to go sit down and have the conversation so you have a roadmap of what you want to talk about, what a decent compromise may or may not be, and gauge the other side's temperature. Obviously, we're on the radio, but never agree to anything <laughs> officially. Don't sign anything without letting a lawyer, you know, put the rubber stamp on it. That's just good business sense. That's just good life sense. But again, the way to have this conversation in due course will make all the difference, I, I believe. Yeah, so I think one of my favorite expressions is that Einstein said something like, and I'm sure I'm butchering this quotation, but something like, can never solve a problem at the level at which it, it presents, which means that whatever you're talking about, something else is going on. And probably if you really take the time to explore it instead of trying to get it over with as quickly as possible, you might actually reach a better resolution. And a lawyer can help you do that. And even though we have some pretty bad reputations out there in the world, as lawyers do, I agree with you that really understanding your options and having the opportunity to talk it through with somebody who can really knows the area that you are navigating and their treacherous waters in that area is really a good idea before you agree to something, even something like, you know, of course you can stay in the house or yes, I agree. I'll pay for college or whatever those things are that just might seem like the right thing to do, it might not really be the smart thing in the end and you could be painting yourself into a corner. Yeah, exactly. It might be the right thing to say in the moment for whatever the reasons are, but long term it may really put you in a pickle. So you gotta be you gotta be super cautious about what you say and when you say it.
So, Carishal, so if someone is being pressed for an answer in a pre-lawyering up conversation, are there some phrases that you recommend that they can use to sound agreeable but not commit themselves? Yeah. I often tell my clients to say something like, oh, that's interesting. I will take that under advisement. You know, and, and again, remember, your tone is everything. You know, oh, wow, you know, let me digest that. Or I need some time to process that information. Thank you so much for saying that. You know, you're not agreeing to anything, but you're giving them an acknowledgement back that you've received the information, you're going to digest it, you're going to process it. And, you know, my favorite phrase these days is I'll circle back with you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, I'll process all of that. Let me circle back with you. You know, in a very complimentary fashion. I'm Catherine Miller, and you're listening to Divorce Dialogues. I am speaking today with Carrie Schultz about men's rights and divorce. And Carrie, if people are interested in learning more about your firm or about you, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, absolutely. So my website is www.mensrightsdivorcelaw.com. We are located in Hackensack, New Jersey, so the northern New Jersey part of the state. Um, we do service clients, you know, all throughout the state, especially now because everything is remote. And you can also call our phone number at 201-880-9770 or email the team at SchultzFamilyLaw.com. There's a million and five ways to reach us. If, if any of you out there want to just talk, there is never a harm in a conversation. So that's great to know. So for people out there, what are some things that, you know, people, men, fathers should absolutely avoid as they're thinking about divorce? What are some never let this happen or <laughs> suggestions that oh. you have for fathers? Yeah, ne- <laughs> never let this happen. Never, never let mother of your child take the children out of state without understanding whether they're coming back or worse, out of the country. You know, make sure that you have, again, everything documented, return flights, things like that. Those kinds of cases get uh, crazy really fast. I guess I would also have to say never, you know, you really shouldn't start hiding and moving money per se, thinking you're going to skirt the system. That never pans itself out at the end. You may think you're being sneaky and sly and that's all well and good, but Trust me, I, Catherine, you've had not a lot of these cases. It always comes out in the end. And the only person that looks bad is the person, the wrongdoer. And then once you get a, a, a judge who catches your number, you can't change that perception. It, it becomes very difficult. So, again, doing it the right way first. I always say do, do, it, do it right or do it over. Doing it yeah. over is costly, expensive, aggravating, time-consuming. Let's do this right the first time around. Try not to get arrested. <laughs> oh, yes. That's, that's not a, a good one, too. <laughs> yeah. Try, not to, get, just, try you know, not to get arrested. Be very mindful of the, unfortunately, the domestic violence statute. You know, if you are a victim, you have rights. And men, my men are victims a lot of the time. Let's not forget that. It's not, you know, again, back to stereotypes. If you are a victim of domestic violence, harassment, assault, what have you, stalking, you know, go to an attorney, understand what's going on. You may need a restraining order. Um, if you are the, um, you know, if, oh, if you are um, being accused of domestic violence, 
rightfully or wrongfully, you also need a good defense. So be very careful of that. People, unfortunately, use it as leverage. I think that's exactly right. And, and I think that the reason I say try not to get arrested is that it's just, just the way it is right now in the world. Even though the statutes are gender neutral, it's just a t- it's a more of an uphill road for men, I think, in, in that circumstance. I, right I agree 100 percent. Right or wrong. Exactly. So, Carrie Schultz, thank you so much for being my guest on Divorce Dialogue. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Catherine. I really appreciate it.